Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at infofellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we wanna encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's message. Good morning and welcome to Fellowship Church. You guys, we are so excited that you're here with us this morning. We are just gonna be worshiping and praising our Heavenly Father and we are standing on His promises, what He says about our situation, what He says about your future, what He says about our hope and who He says that He is and who He says that we are. So come on, let's worship Him this morning. would welcome me I was lost but he brought me in know oh, his love for me yeah his love
Three, three months, it seems like years almost in our hearts. I feel like that there's been this, this constant, um, like this, this constant attack or this, this constant mission. The enemy has tried to just separate us from our intimacy with God during these last three months specifically. And this song that we just sang of just standing confident, right? Being, being confident in, in seeing the goodness of God. There's been times in my personal life where I, I just couldn't seem confident. I couldn't stand confident in seeing the goodness. But then as the song goes out that, that we, that he's the everlasting God. That he was a God that was the same before COVID ever happened, same during, and he's gonna be the same tomorrow, right? And so as we, as we stand here, or, or if you're at home, if you're tuning in, no matter where we're at, we have this opportunity to put our trust and our faith and our hope in, in, in an everlasting God who is not surprised by what happened in the last three months, but who wants to call us closer to him. And we have this opportunity to do that right now. So if you feel like you, you wanna be closer to an everlasting God, God that, 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 that loves you, that, that wants to be close to you, that wants to show you more than you ever saw before, today is that opportunity. If you wanna be closer to him, whether you're at home right now or you're in, in this place with us right now, go ahead and lift your hands with me and pray with me. God, we're here. And Jesus... First of all, we just, we just thank you for your sacrifice, for what you've done for us, you died for us. And God, I just pray right now, we just wanna come back into alignment with you. And so we're sorry for the bad things we've done, but God, we're just, we're here and we wanna be closer to you. Our, our hands are lifted up to be even that much closer to you. So God, I pray that your, your goodness can fall on us. Your love can fall on us, your hope can fall on us, all of your fruits, Jesus, and that as we are standing in the presence, as we are drawing near to you, the everlasting God, I pray that we can feel and see new things today because we're putting that trust in you, we're putting that faith in you, we're putting our hope on you, God. We love you and we thank you in your heavenly name, amen. All right, give another praise to God. Come on, so good. As I invite you that are here with us in person to uh, go to your seats right now, I want to speak to you guys online as well. If this is your first time tuning online with us, thank you so much for choosing us this Sunday. We want to hear your story. We'd love to be able to connect with you in any way. So if you just type first time in the comments right now, we have people, uh, volunteers and staff that are online that want to be able to connect with you or just click the first time link in the description of the video that you're watching right now. We'd love to be able to just connect with you. If this happens to be your first time here with us in person, I'd love to just be able to invite you to our information center. Uh, you can fill out a little card. We'd love to be able to hear your story. Your story matters and we'd love to be able to welcome you in every way that we can. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us this Sunday. I wanna continue the worship of God uh, with our tithes and offerings. As I was preparing for what I was gonna say today, this thought occurred to me that currency, like uh, our money, isn't universal across everything, but there is currency in the kingdom that is universal. I went on a missions trip in high school to Peru and I loved it. Peru was just awesome, except for the spiders there. <sighs> Spider. I love Colorado because we have tiny spiders and um, every other country or state, I feel like, has these pictures of giant spiders. I don't like spiders. You might have noticed. Um, but Peru is awesome. And we 
we're just staying at an orphanage and we were building a, a part of the orphanage out. And the food that we got each day was chicken and rice. And it was awesome. After day 10, we're like, I need a little bit of something else. And so we just wanted to get some hot sauce and foreign hot sauce will light you up. Mind you, it was hot. It was a different kind of hot. And anyway, we were at the store and we were paying for some hot sauce that we could take back. And our American money just didn't work there. It had no value. It had no value there. And it, we were at this place where we're just like, well, I guess, like, what are we supposed to do? And, and the thought occurred to me today that is there things that we value in this world that aren't valued in the kingdom? Absolutely. That's mentioned a lot of times in scripture. But what do we have access to that? is valuable in the kingdom. Like what is the currency of the kingdom? And I think a, a part of the currency of the kingdom has to be faith. Faith is a currency of the kingdom. And I think that uh, there's a lot of different things that we can put our faith and trust in. We're trusting God with something. We're giving it to, like we said, an everlasting God that can then do something way, way more powerful and multiply it way much better than I can. Personally, And so if I give something over to him in, in faith, that's giving him access to be able to do something special with it. So I think one of the first things we obviously can trust him with is our heart and eternal salvation. If we're just asking God to be our Lord and Savior, that's, that's first and foremost. And then there's the people around us that we can trust him with. As a father, it's hard for me to want to relinquish any control um, of my kids. I, don't, I want to have all the control. I want to keep them safe in, in this thing. But if I relinquish control, I give them to God. He can protect them way better than I can. He's going to love them better than I ever could. And it's the same thing with our finances as well. If we can trust God um, with our money, then he's going to be able to do way more with it than we ever could by ourselves. And so that, that's my encouragement to you today. Now, right here in the worship center, we're not going to be passing around buckets or anything like that, but we do have a lot of different ways to give. There's offering boxes that are going to be located in the lobby for you. And for those of you tuning in online with us, um, these are the, the options that are also available to the people here in our worship center. You can always give by mail, mail in a check, uh, mail in any, anything. You can go on the church center app and through your church center profile. That's the easiest way to give. That's the way uh, my wife and I give. It's really easy through the app to be able to just add a credit card or just a bank account and just do that. It's really easy. The easiest thing for me is always what I generally try and, try and do. Um, you can give online through fellowshipgj.com as well as you can text give at 970-281-4041. You can text any amount to that number and uh, you go through the process once and then after that you can just text in that. So Right now, what I want to do is I want to pray over our tithes and offerings in a way that I want to just be able to, to let God see that currency, the kingdom of our faith. Um, and the Bible also talks about being a joyful giver in that of just like, God, we trust you. We love you. It's a way that we can love him back as well. So if you are in need of a financial breakthrough, if there's a financial stress in your life, or if you just um, want an extra little blessing, uh, go ahead and pray with me. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you. I just pray that you can bless every single gift that's coming in right now. And you can, you can bless our ties, Jesus. And it's not just so that we can have more, God, but it's so that we can love you more and trust you with what um, we have. And so, Father, I pray that you can unleash a blessing on anybody that is going through any sort of financial stress um, or terrible situation right now, as well as anyone that is just trusting you for the first time. God, I pray that they can feel your presence in a way that only you can bring it. And God, I just pray that you bless every single gift and offering today in your heavenly name. Amen. 
One thing before we get to our message I want to draw your attention to, uh, I talked about a little bit there, is our Church Center app. On our Church Center app, it's really easy to be able to get plugged into and see all of the things that we have going on here at Fellowship, from our life groups and activity groups uh, to our serving opportunities, and as well as our registrations for Sunday services. So as long as we're going to be doing registrations uh, to be able to be here in person, um, that's a place where you're going to be able to register. And I do want to encourage you that... On Tuesday is usually when the registrations become live. You'll see that on our social media. But check back through the week because some people will can't make it on Sunday, so they'll cancel the registration. So get your Church Center app open, and you can find that anywhere at fellowship.com slash gj slash app, and then you can download it on whatever device you are. But if you do that, you might be able to see openings throughout the week. I think I saw openings yesterday and Friday for services today, so keep up to date on that. Well, we have an amazing message from Pastor Dan, so enjoy the rest of today's service. Well, good morning, church family. I am so glad that you're here today. I'm excited about this brand new series that we're starting today called When Your Heart Comes Under Attack. If you are ready for a word for God today, give me a hey. Hey, hey yeah, I need you to speak to me today. There are hundreds, there's even thousands that view these services throughout the week that wish they could be in this room. So uh, I need you to be loud for like 10 people today. So like you can be obnoxious, you can, uh, you can join in with me, talk back to me online. Uh, join into the chat. Um, uh, if there's something you're agreeing with and you're, you're excited about, put up some praise hands or an amen or whatever. Uh, let's start off right now by just go ahead and turn to the person sitting next to you and tell them, I prayed all week long that I would get to sit next to you. Tell them that. Tell them that right now. If you're sitting next to that same person that you've been sitting next to on the couch for the last two months at home, tell them, you know what, you scoot over. Give me some room. You got coffee breath this morning. Uh, I'm excited about today because we're talking about when your heart comes under attack. This is what I know. Every one of us go through different attacks in our life where we feel like our heart is coming under attack. And in this series, we're going to tackle grief. We're going to tackle doubt. We're going to tackle um, uh, despair. We're going to tackle these different things. We're going to tackle fear today. And, and in all of this, um, uh, I really do believe that God can bring us some healing and some help. And I want to go ahead and just dive right into a story today uh, that is going to be a, a help to us kickstarting this whole series, kickstarting um, when your heart comes under attack. It's found in the book of Esther, chapter 4. And uh, we're going to start in a conversation that Esther uh, was having with her uncle. Mordecai, and it says this, starting in verse 12, when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Don't think that because you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent back the reply to Mordecai, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I and my attendants will fast 
as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. I believe there's so much we can gain from this story that I want to dive into. But first, I want to invite you to pray with me right now uh, that the Holy Spirit would just speak to us in this time. God, uh, as we're talking about our hearts coming under attack, what I pray right now is that you would come and touch each and every one of our hearts. That first off, there would be no distractions, nothing would take away from your word, nothing would be added to your word, uh, and nothing would pull our mind off of what you want to speak to us today. I, I pray for hearts in this room that are hurt and wounded and, and hardened, God. I pray that you would soften us, Lord, to be able to, to hear what you want to say to us. God, make the soil of our heart fertile and, and soft. Make it good ground, God so that um, you can bless us today. Speak to us, and God, no one needs to hear Dan's opinions. What we need to hear today is your word, your truth. So that's what we ask for, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, guys, there's a lot of things we can look, uh, learn, look at and learn from Esther's life. Uh, Esther... One of the things we can see as we look at her story, she's kind of a rags to riches story, right? She started off at the trailer park and ended up in the country club, right? She started off at the projects and ended up in the palace. And, and what her story teaches us is that your ending is not determined by your beginning, right? You're, you can have a rough beginning. You can go through difficulties early in life, but that doesn't determine what your ending is going to look like. It, what matters is how you handle the middle. And, and, and we see, in looking at her life, that, that she went from, from difficulty, she went from poverty to being wealthy, to being in the palace. She went from, from bad to good. And, and, and we see that how you handle the middle is so vastly important. I know that there are many of you even listening right now that will go, but wait, I'm in the middle. And, and I've made a lot of mistakes. I've failed so many times. I've, I, like, like I, I know that I haven't done everything right here in the middle. Well, the good news is your God is a God of restoration, and he can turn anything around at any time. And what you think you may have had stolen from you or you've lost or you've forfeited, God can get it back. And the good news is when God brings things back to his children, when you ask him for restoration, you ask him for help, he doesn't just give you back what you lost. When God returns something to you, he gives it back and he gives you back more. Like where do you get that? We look at Job's life and we see with Job, Job's, Job lost his family, he lost his wife, he lost his health, he lost his, his livestock, he lost his livelihood, he lost all this. And, and it, God didn't just give it back to him when it came time to restore things, he gave him twice as much coming back. I'm telling you, there's some of you in the middle of your life right now that you're feeling like, man, I've lost so much and I've made so many mistakes. Your God wants to get things back for you, but, but it could be even more. That's the type of God that we serve, a God who loves us, that, that restores what the enemy is trying to take from you. And you might be in the middle right now going, man, I feel like these struggles I'm going through are going to kill me. They're going to take me out. They're going to destroy me. But know what the enemy meant for evil, God uses for good. So we look at Esther's life and we see that your, your beginning does not determine your end. And man, some of us that that's good news. I'll tell you, that's good news for any of us who have made mistakes, any of us who came up rough, any of us who came up far away from God sinning. Wait, that's all of us. 
for every one of us, that, that, that's good news because it means no matter where you are right now, God can turn it around and, and he can bring you from, from the projects to the palace. He can bring you from poverty to riches and glory in his presence. And, and am I talking about like actual finances or am I talking about like spiritual health and emotions? I'm talking about all of it because he's in control of all of it. So we see in Esther's life, we see the fact that that. that that, that we look at her story and we see that in her story, um, uh, she went from a difficult place to a wonderful place for a reason. So your, your ending is not determined by your beginning. Something interesting about the book of Esther, it's the only book in the Bible where God's name is not mentioned. Did you know that? Every other book of the Bible, the name of God is mentioned, but in the book of Esther, it is not mentioned, but God is the one in control of the entire story and the entire narrative of what takes place in Esther. And what many of us can learn from the book of Esther is the fact that maybe you look at your past and you don't see uh, right now that maybe you were thinking, I was far away from God in the past, and I didn't know God at that point. And even though his name doesn't look like it was on the story of your past, he has been in control and he has been writing the narrative to get you to where you are right now. And though his name might not be on your degree, you wouldn't have the degree if it wasn't for his favor on your life. And even though he wasn't there, you didn't see his name on, on, on the, the bill at the doctor's office, he was the one that got you through the accident and survived. That even though you couldn't have seen him in the past, you can look back now and recognize just like Esther does when we do in this story, we recognize, wait, it was God that got us through all along. And I'm so thankful for that. We learned that. But today, church, today what I want to talk about, we learned something from Esther that is so pertinent to this uh, entire series. What every one of us need to know when your heart comes under attack is from Esther. We learn how to survive. We learn how to survive what? We learn how to survive a heart attack. Because Esther experienced a heart attack. Hey, wait a minute. What are you talking about? The Bible doesn't talk about her having a heart attack. I'm not talking about a, a physical heart attack. Esther's heart came under attack emotionally. E Esther went through an attack emotionally, and she survived that attack emotionally. And do you know that every one of us go through different attacks on our hearts? Every one of us. That the heart is, is your heart, we've got to understand what it is first. What are we talking about when we're talking about your heart? Your heart is your mind, your will, your emotions, your, your, your affections, your, your intentions, okay? It's the, the, the word heart and the word soul are, are used in tandem in Scripture, that they're interchangeable. So we're talking about your soul, we're talking about your mind, your will, your emotions, your affections, right? The, the, these different areas of your life that are so vitally important, that can come under attack. And that is the battleground for the believer, because the enemy wants your heart. Because from your heart is your will. It's your willpower. So the enemy wants to try to get your heart from you. Because if he can get your heart, he can steal the will from you to be able to want to get out of bed in the morning. 
The enemy wants your heart because, because he can, it's where you come with your decisions, your decision-making process. If he can get a hold of your heart, then now he can cause you to start making decisions not based off of what God would want for you and how God would lead you in your day, but now you're starting to make decisions because your heart is hurting and you're allowing the enemy to affect your heart, where now you're starting to make decisions based off of your feelings for that day or, or, or if you're discouraged or what the world would want. See, we have an enemy. We fight against the enemy, we fight against the world, and we fight against our flesh. And you can make decisions out of the word of God in his leadings for your life, or you can make decisions based off what would the enemy want from me? What does my flesh feel like today? Or what is culturally acceptable in the world? It's like, so the enemy's going, I'm after your heart. That is the battleground for every believer. Every follower of Christ has to understand this, that the enemy is attacking you and he's attacking your heart. And man, I think we get it so confused so many times because a lot of times we look at the attacks that take place in our life and where we're being attacked is not actually where we think we are being attacked. What, what are you trying to say? Well, let's look back at Job, okay? The devil attacked Job. He attacked his marriage. He attacked his kids. He attacked his finances. He attacked his job. He attacked his livelihood. He attacked his friendships. And he attacked his health. But the devil didn't want any of that stuff. The devil was very clear that what he wanted was Job's heart. That Job's heart was after the Heavenly Father. That Job wanted a relationship with God. Job trusted God. So, so we see that all of the things that the devil was attacking was for the purpose of trying to get his heart. If I can just get him to, 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 to focus on these other things that he's losing that are coming under attack, then, then maybe he won't trust God anymore. Maybe I can get a hold of his heart and I can change the direction of his life and I could hurt him, I could wound him, I could bring him down. He was after his heart. And so many times as Christians, we miss this point and we get so confused. Man, if you've been in church for a while, you have been around one of those people. One of those people that I'm, I'm just going to say it the way I see it. The, 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 the weird Christian, right? The one that sees the devil in everything. Like, oh, the devil's just trying to get my car. I went out there and I tried to start the car and the car wouldn't start. It took three times. The devil's in my car. So I'm out there going, I cast the devil out of my car in Jesus' name. Like, you ever met one of those people? Devil's in my office right now. My boss is bringing the devil into the office. The devil is in that coffee pot right now because it's just not making coffee right. It's like, man, stop being so weird, all right? Because the devil is like, do you really think that the devil wants your 1989 Corolla? You think he's trying to get your car? Like he's rolling, the devil's rolling down the street like, yeah, I'm pimping now. I, I'm doing really well now because I got her car. Are you kidding me? The devil doesn't want your car. The devil, let's take it deeper than that. The devil's not after your marriage. The devil's not after your kids. The devil's not after your job and your livelihood. He attacks those things. Why? Because he's after your heart. Because if your trust and where your, 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 your love lies, your hope lies, is in 
all these other things that are around you that God has provided for you. If your trust is in these areas, it's like if these things come under attack, he's going, then what I can do is I can try to get a hold of their heart and turn their heart against God and away from God. So now I can, I, I can affect them in the seat of their emotions and their mind, their will, their emotions, their affections. I can, I can get their willpower from them and I can steal their strength. I can, if I can just get a hold of their heart and turn them away from God, then I can make their decisions that they make in life not just affect them in a negative way, but hopefully even affect the next generation in a negative way. He's after your heart. And that's why it's so vitally important that we understand this. That's why the, the Bible tells us so very clearly in Scripture, in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, therefore, we do not lose heart. And believers, we don't lose heart. You're gonna lose a lot of things in life. It's just part of life. Through COVID, some of you have lost hours at work. Some of you have lost work. Some of you have lost relationships. Some of you have lost money. Some of you have lost so many different things. But the Bible's saying, whatever you lose, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. It goes on. We see here in Proverbs 4.23 says this. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Above everything else. If you're going to protect something in your life, protect your heart. Protect your heart. Because every decision you make, every, every ounce of peace that you have in your relationship with God, every bit of this flows. Every bit of your life flows from what's taking place in your heart. So the enemy tries to attack your heart. Well, what is a heart attack? A heart attack is when the enemy uses a natural temporary crisis to cause permanent emotional damage. Did you catch that? I want to say that again. A heart attack is when the enemy uses a natural temporary crisis to cause permanent emotional damage. So what the enemy is doing is he is trying to affect the rest of your life by attacking your heart. And I love that when we look into Esther's story, we see that she came underneath an attack on her heart. And the attack of her, on her heart was fear. And she survived it. And I think there's so much that we can learn from her story. I'm going to summarize a little bit of Esther's story. I want to encourage you to re read the book of Esther. It's beautiful. But just a really quick overview of Esther is uh, through a series of events, a young lady by the name of Esther ends up becoming the queen to King Xerxes. That she was chosen because of her beauty, she was chosen to be the, the queen and live in the palace with the king. Now, as, as a Jewish woman living in the palace, um, she gets word from her uncle, a man who raised her by the name of Mordecai, uh, who, who finds out that there's an evil plot against the children of God, that there's a man by the name of Haman who works in the palace alongside of the king who, um, uh, who has a plot to kill the Jews, to take out God's people. He wants to take them out. So he, he's, he's, he's plotting, he's twisting things around to try to get uh, King Xerxes to be able to get in line with this in, in order to be able to kill all these people. That would ultimately mean that Esther would be killed along with her family as well. So 
uh, there's this plot taking place. Mordecai sends word to her, going, Esther, you have got to understand that we are coming under attack. You have to go before the king, and you have to tell Xerxes what's taking place, or we're all going to die. And immediately, immediately, she suffered a heart attack. And the heart attack that she suffered was fear. Because she knew some things that maybe you don't know about this story yet, is that she, she knew some things from the past. The track record with Xerxes is that he was really a rough king. He was, he, he, he was a tough guy. And the queen before her, Vashti, uh, disobeyed, um, uh, disobeyed him. So therefore, she, she was banished away. And, like, and he had rules like, if you can't come into my courts, you can't come into my inner chamber without permission. If I don't extend my golden scepter to you, that you are punished with death. People were killed for coming and approaching the king without permission. So Mordecai is saying, I want you to go to the king, even though you don't have permission, and tell him about this plan. And she's going, I'm going to die. Like, you don't even understand what you're asking me. Like, uh, so basically, uncle, you're telling me, go, go uh, just give up my life right now. So like, are you kidding me? And there had to have been a struggle that she was dealing with because she's thinking, like, she went from poverty, like, all my life. I've been grinding all my life, right? Like, grinding, grinding, grinding. She went from poverty to all of a sudden now she's living in style. She's driving the car she always wanted. She's living in the neighborhood while well, she's riding the camel. She always wanted, right? It's like she, she's, she's in the right neighborhood, the right people. She's got all the jewelry, all the bling, everything. She's like, not, so she's fearful because she's thinking, I, I could lose all of that. I could lose uh, my own life. But wait a minute, on top of all this, I could lose my, my loved ones. She's, she's struck with fear. Don't you know that fear can grip you? Fear could grip you so tight. You could get to a point where you are being attacked with fear to the, to the place to where it, it can be all-consuming. It can be the only thing that you think about, that, that you have a smile on your face because it's Sunday morning and we come into church so we put a smile on our face and you're putting up your praise hands on your emoji right now. But, but underneath all of that that we put out on the outside, on the exterior, on the interior, there can be a fear that can grip you to where all you are thinking about is what could possibly happen. And it, it, can, it can get to a point to where you're at work and all you can do is think about the problems of what could happen at home. And then you're at home and all you can do is think about the problems of what could happen at work. And then you're laying in bed and it's time for you to sleep and your mind then starts turning. It's like you finally get a point where you can be quiet and now my mind is turning about this and that and all of these different things that can happen. Don't you know that fear can grab you so tightly and squeeze you so tightly you think you're going to die? She was having a heart attack. And she was having this heart attack because she recognized that, wait, I've seen this before. I've seen what happened to someone else. Because she knew that Vashti was banished from the presence of the king. That she was publicly humiliated and, and cast out. She was punished. This, this could go so wrong. I know what's happened to other people. Therefore, she wasn't afraid based off of her own experience. She was afraid based off of what has happened to other people. And I think for a lot of us, that's exactly what happens in our own lives. 
is you have no reason to be fearful, but you know what happened to someone else. And oh, that other person spoke up for Jesus and, and he lost his job for it. Yeah, and that, that other person, he, he tried to do life a certain way and, and their marriage fell apart. And it's like that other person, and we can start to become fearful because of what happened to other people. And it's not even anything that's happening to us, it's just what happened to someone else. Hey Amen, that, that's what I'm telling you. There, there are so many of you, and I hope you hear this with the right heart, so many of you, you need to stop watching the news. And, and I'm, not, I'm not picking on one station over the other. I don't care. It, it's all too much information. It's all too much information about what happened to someone else, and what will happen is we'll watch, and we'll go, like, like well, if, if this pandemic has moved here, and this is happening in the economy there, and over in this state they're doing this, and over in this city they're doing that, and it could become so much, since it happened there, it could happen to me. But do you know that Jesus said, like, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough problems of its own, just uh, uh, we'll worry about self. Today have enough problems of its own, that that... That's not even talking about other people. That's talking about you. You shouldn't worry about anything else in your own life that extends beyond today. That, that we're, not, we're not built for it. We're not capable of it. We're not omniscient. We don't understand what our God understands. So we can't concern ourselves with our own tomorrow, let alone our own loved ones tomorrow and our own friends and our own neighbors and our city. And here's what we do on top of that. I don't have the capability to worry about myself for tomorrow. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take in information and pull out my phone and try to figure out what problems are going on in Syria and what problems are going on uh, now in Brazil and what problems are going on in the South and what political climate is going on and what's going on with the pandemic. And there's all of this stuff and everyone has an opinion on it and we start to go, oh my gosh, if it happened to them, it could happen to me. It's like we have this fear button on us. We just keep pushing it over and over again. Like, like, like getting zapped, like one of those dog collars where you can shock you over and over again. Like, it's like I'm moving through my day and I'm doing all right, but then all of a sudden I just I have to know what's going on. What's going on on Instagram? What's going on on Facebook? What's going on in the news right now? I just got to know. I got to know what's going on. Like I, I've been out of touch for like five minutes. I got to find out. And I pull my phone out and it's like, ah, it's like, man, my life doesn't look like that. And now I'm, I'm fearful. Is it ever going to be that way? Am I ever going to be happy? Am I ever going to be married? Am I ever going to get a job like that? It's like, we're, we're, we're shaking ourselves because you could be so gripped by fear. And here she is in a moment of her life where she's being attacked by fear. And yet we see in Esther's story, Esther in the middle of a heart attack survived. Well, what did she do? She survived the heart attack because she had a conversation with Mordecai. And that conversation led to revelation. See, the conversation started off with, uh, uh, I can't do this, I'll be killed. I, if I go into his presence without permission, I'm gonna be put to death. I can't, I can't do it, there's no way what you're asking is crazy, no. And Mordecai's going, but you've, you, you're here for a reason. Yeah. You're here for a reason, you're, you're in your job for a reason. God's giving you breath today for a reason. You're still alive today for a reason. You're in this marriage for a reason. And, 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 and she gets revelation to the point to where she goes, okay, if God put me in this place, then, then now I'm going to look at it differently. And she goes, I'm just going to do it. 
So pray and fast for me because if I die, I die. So what was the turnaround? The turnaround was revelation. Revelation. She had a conversation that led to revelation. And see, you will never overcome fear with willpower. You can only overcome fear with revelation. Man, I need to say that again because you're looking at me like that wasn't good. You missed that. Let me say that one more time. You cannot overcome fear with willpower. You can only overcome fear with revelation. Right? And maybe you're, you're, not, you're not catching what that means, but there's so much power in that. That revelation casts out fear. It drives it out. What am I saying? What, let me put this to you in a very simplistic illustration. If in the middle of the night you're asleep and you hear a loud noise in the middle of the night... You're, you're probably going to do one of a couple of different things. You're probably going to jump up, get scared because what was the noise that startled you? That's just natural human response. And then you're going to do, like, maybe you, like, reach underneath the mattress or you reach into your drawer. Like, or maybe you're one of those type of people that you reach for your pillow and just put it over your face. <laughs> Not in my house, just so you know. But, um, but you reach for something because you're thinking there's a, there's a fear and there's a response. I'm going to do something about it. And then all of a sudden, a revelation comes to your mind that you remember, oh yeah, we have a dog. And the dog just jumped out of his pen. And that's the noise I heard. So since it's been revealed to me what the truth is, what do you do? You put it back under the mattress and you go back to sleep, right? Why? Because revelation drives out fear. That's why when a little kid is scared, they're like, mommy, mommy, there's, there, there's monsters under the bed. They're, I'm scared. I, there's something in the dark here. There's spiders in this room. It's like, then you come and you flip the light on. When the light is there and it's revealed to them what's actually taking place, what the truth is around them, then the fear is gone because revelation drives out fear. So there are three things. If you want to survive a heart attack of fear, three revelations that Esther had that you and I need to have. And I want to give them to you real quick before we uh, end today. These are three revelations every believer needs if you want to survive a heart attack of fear. The first revelation, number one, you need a revelation of God's love for you. You need a revelation of the power of God's love. The power of God's love. Because the Bible puts it this way. The Bible says there is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear. That, that, that's how I get over fear is I have to have an understanding of the perfect love of God because when you actually embrace and get a revelation and a true understanding of how much God loves you, it drives fear out. When you actually go, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. He loves me so much that he actually, he sent his son and shed his own blood to die for me? He loves me that much? Man, man, he loves me. He, he lo if he loves me that much, he, lo he loves me too much to let me die this way. He loves me too much to let me go out like this. He loves me. He loves me. And when we start recognizing that love that God has for us, and I know that sometimes you hear that, and, and what can well up on the inside is you go, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know what shame I carry. You don't know how I felt. Well, he does. 
And that's exactly why he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins and to pay the price for your sins. And Jesus rose again so that that then, instead of God looking at your sins, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Lord and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And the Bible says there is then a transaction that takes place where when God looks at you, he doesn't look at your sin anymore. He looks at you and he sees the perfect beauty and righteousness of Jesus. And with that type of love, then you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. If God loves me that much, Then you start to go, this right here, this isn't a book full of rules and commands. What this is, this is a love letter. This is my God showing me some love and how to make it through the day and to do better and to to get better in my marriage and to, to survive. And then you read things like, no weapon formed against me will prosper. And you're like, man, that's because you love me, God. It's like... I'm more than a conqueror. Man, that's because you love me, God. The Bible says a thousand may fall at your side, but no one will be able to harm you. Man, that's because you love me, God. See, when you really get a revelation of how much your heavenly Father loves you, it drives out fear. If you want to overcome the heart attack of fear, you have to have a revelation of the power of God's love. Number two, you have to have a revelation of the power of Satan's lies. You have to understand that for many of us, for most of us, where we're tormented in our mind are lies that the enemy is putting into your mind. That the things that we're being tormented are with our thoughts that Satan is putting into your mind that are not true. They're lies that he's planting there and they're not true. And this is how we know this. It's because Jesus tells us that Satan is the father of lies. He's the father of it. He, 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 he is the owner of, the father of, he comes up with lies. What does that mean? If we take it all the way back to Genesis, and when Adam and Eve were in the garden, we see that Satan tried, he attempted to destroy humanity, he attempted to destroy God's creation, and he did it by planting lies in mankind. He did it by lying to Eve. And so many of us, we miss out on God's best for our lives because we're listening to the lie of the enemy. What is the lie of the enemy? The enemy will lie to you about two different things. He will lie to you first off about what could happen to you or will happen to you, or if something has happened to you, he will lie to you about what that means. So he he would lie to you and tell you, oh, you're going to get laid off. Your marriage is going to fall apart. You're going to relapse and go back onto that drug or alcohol. You're, you're not going to be able to make it. He will lie to you about what could happen. That's the first thing the enemy would do. Or if something did happen, let's say you did get laid off, he'll lie to you about what that means. And he'll start telling you things like, you're never going to get a good enough job to be able to pay the bills and you're going to have to sell this house and you're probably going to lose some things along the way and your credit's going to fall apart and then you're going to end up living in a car somewhere and your kids are going to be on the street and it's like he will lie to you about these things or you'll get in a fight with your spouse and he'll lie to you about what that means and and he'll start telling you look this is the beginning of the end you thought you loved each other but that was all false and he tells you these lies so he will lie to you and he will say something bad is going to happen or he'll say look I'm going to twist what did happen and tell you something even worse is going to happen that is the lie 
of the enemy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he is trying to attack your heart, and he is trying to lie to you. But if Jesus says that Satan is a liar, he's the father of lies. Liar, liar, pants on fire, right? If Jesus says that what Satan does is he lies, then this is the view that every child of God needs to own and own boldly with our lives, is that if Jesus said that Satan lies, then when Satan comes along and he whispers a lie into your ear like you're going to lose your job, when you hear that lie, you know what you need to do? You need to start thanking God and praising God because you're like, if Jesus said he's a liar and he just told me I'm going to lose my job, that means I'm going to keep my job. I must be getting a promotion coming up or something like that. And when he lies to you and says, look, you're going to get hooked on this drug again and you're going to go backwards, you're going to relapse, you're going to fall, you can start dancing and praising God going, thank you that if he's going to lie to me and tell me that he's trying to steal background, I know that God, you don't lie to me and he does. We need to change it and recognize that, that when the enemy speaks to us, it's false so we can thank God because whatever good is coming on the opposite side of that lie it is what we need to hold on to because it's what's in line with God's word. So that brings us to the third and final thing. If, if you want to be able to overcome a heart attack of fear, you need a revelation of the power of God's love, the power of Satan's lies, and then number three, the power of your tongue. The power of your tongue, the power of the words that come out of your mouth. What if I told you that Proverbs 18, 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. That your words have the power of life or they have the power of death. And what you speak over your life is vitally important. And you've got to understand that, that God said, I, I created mankind in my own image. That means he is, he is creative. He has given us creative power. So he has put within you the power to be able to create with your words, to speak things into existence, good or bad. So it is vitally important that we recognize this because do you know that the enemy does not have the ability to verbally speak to you? He wants to destroy you. He wants to lie over your life. He wants to lie to your family. And he can't speak it, so he will try to put thoughts into your mind, and he will try to convince you to become his advocate to speak those lies over yourself and over your family. And some of us, we are destroying ourselves because we are using our mouths to be the advocate for the enemy. And do you recognize that you could speak one of two different languages. You could speak the, the language of faith or you could speak the language of fear. And that when, when we understand that God's love for us is so great, we could speak in agreement with, with what we believe about what he says about us and that can become true in our everyday life. Or instead, if we listen to the lies of the enemy and we speak those, that that can become true in our life. It's as simple as understanding this about positivity and negativity. How you look at things and how you speak about things will bring things to, into existence in your life. 
okay? If you get up in the morning and you think, oh, it's going to be a horrible day, and you start off negative, like, it's going to just be a, a gloomy, awful day, just another Monday. It's just going to be one of those uh, 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 days, right? What you will do is you will start looking for what psychologists call confirmation bias, that you will look for things to confirm your biased opinion about what you just said. So you'll say, since I'm looking for this to be a negative day, then when you drive into the street and a car pulls in front of you and cuts you off, you'll be like, look, there's the evidence right now. It's going to be a terrible day. I just got cut off on the way to work, you jerk. Then you get to the office and you spill your coffee on yourself. I'm like, I told you it's going to just be awful. And what happens is you have a terrible day because you got up and you spoke it over yourself and you started looking for the evidence for that to be the truth. But the opposite, believers, understand this. This is the good news. The opposite is also true, that that confirmation bias, that the power of life is in the tongue, that you can get up in the morning and you can say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. God can use me today. That, that The weeping may endure for a moment. Joy comes in the morning, right? We, we, we can get to a point where we wake up and we go, it's going to be a beautiful day today. I love this day. I love that God has given me breath today. I love that he gave me a job today. And then you get in your car and you drive and that guy cuts you off in traffic and you're like, God, he must be in a hurry. I pray you give him peace today. Because now I'm looking for the confirmation bias that this is a good day, that God's going to use me today. So God just put me in a situation now where I can pray for someone who's stressed out right now on the way to work. And then you get to work and you spill coffee on yourself. And you're like, this is an opportunity for my coworkers to laugh for a little bit and have a little bit of enjoyment. We can bring some levity into this place right now. And then when people are talking about politics and economy and all that, you can be like, no, 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 no. This is a good day. And God. God still has given us our jobs and he still has blessed us. Will you use your mouth for good or will you use it for bad? And I think that's the question every one of us need to ask is what language have you been speaking? Have you been speaking the language of fear? Being the advocate for the enemy? Speaking the devil's lies? Or have you been using your language to speak faith? Taking the words of God, taking his truth and speaking it over your life. I want to invite every person to stand to your feet, even at home right now, because we're about to sing a song together to end this service. Um, but before we sing this song, this song is called uh, uh, No Longer Slaves. We're saying, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I'm a child of God. See, I'm using my mouth right now, the power of my words. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a declaration and confess that I believe I'm no longer a slave to fear, I'm a child of God. So now my confirmation bias changes and I start looking how for ways that God is giving me strength over fear and how I'm free, I'm not a slave, I'm owned and loved by God who gives me freedom. And when we start looking at that, it's like it changes everything. But before we do that, I think there's a lot of us right now that need to repent. Repent, what's repent? I need to change my mind, I need to turn around, I need to change the way I'm doing things because there's some of us, we, have, we would admit right now that we've been using our mouth to do the enemy's work. And in fact, I wanna ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes and just 
out of humility and asking God for help, I want to just ask you if that's you, if you've been using your mouth to do the enemy's work and speaking negativity, put your hands up right now so we can just pray and ask God to forgive us. And God, you see our hands and with honesty, we stand before you right now. We ask you to forgive us for speaking negatively, for lining up our mouth with the lies of the enemy. Where we know that God, you love us and you have a plans for us, plans for good and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. We have been using our words so negatively to tear ourselves down and to hurt ourselves. And we have been giving up the ground of our hearts to the enemy. So God, please forgive us for that. Please forgive us. Forgive us for using our mouths wrong. And then God, now that we've asked you to forgive us, we pray that you would give us ground back. I pray that you would restore our hearts that you would restore our strength, restore our joy, give it back to us, not just what we lost, but give us even more, we ask God. And as we sing this song here in just a moment, we are declaring that we are your children and we are free in you, and we no longer are slaves to fear. We love you, God, in Jesus' name. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone and I'm no longer slave to fear I am a child
you're thankful that your Heavenly Father has freed you from fear. Let's give him a shout of praise. We praise you, God. We praise you. We praise you. Well, guys, we're going to be continuing this service in this series next week um, on when your heart comes under attack because what we're talking about next week is something I believe is so important to every one of us because we're going to be talking about overcoming grief and disappointment. Because every one of us have experienced loss. Every one of us have experienced going through losing something, having something stolen from you. And you know, there's even this principle we talked about today. It's found in Exodus chapter 22 that when the, the thief steals something, the repayment, the recompense from that is double. And there's a lot of us that are going through life where you're letting the enemy just steal things from you and you're not going back and saying, as a child of God, you don't just owe me it back, you owe me double. So this next week is a message that I believe is for every person who's gone through any hurt at all. You've lost a loved one, you've lost a job, you've been betrayed, you've lost something along the way. That's for all of us. And what I want to talk about is I want to talk about how do you keep that disappointment from becoming despair? And I believe it's going to speak to you. So I want to encourage you, don't miss next week. And, I, and this is for all of your loved ones, all of your friends, all your coworkers. Everyone needs to hear this message. I believe it's going to be encouraging. So I'm telling you, sneak them in here, right? Like, like get them in here. Like, of course, following all CDC guidelines. But sneak them in here. Do a watch party if you can't make it next week or whatever. But, but don't miss this next service because God wants to bring you out of despair and bring you back into a place of restoration. Church family, I love you, but more importantly, know this. Your Heavenly Father loves you. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, please click on the first time link located in the description below the video. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week for our online services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m.